Hello and welcome to KLO Talks, a podcast for financial discussion. This is where we discuss the latest financial trends, news and events and aim to unravel the complicated world of investing and finance. So whether you're passionate about the sector or just want to understand more about the importance of optimising your finances, KLO Talks has something for everyone. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Kalo Talks, the podcast for financial discussion. I hope everybody is well. Um, today, I'm joined by two guests, um, and we're going to be talking about charitable giving because, let's face it, oftentimes, charity work and actually helping a cause not only kind of gives us that warm, fuzzy feeling, but we're actually using it to impact other people's lives. And you know, I think that's a really important thing given in society right now. So I am joined by Terry Michael, who's always been on the podcast with me. Welcome, Terry. Hi, Peter. Yes, thank you for having me again. Very happy to be here. And I've also got from St. Mary's Hospice here in uh, Birmingham, Helen Vaudsley. Yeah, welcome. Hi, yeah, thank you, Peter, for having me today. Not a problem at all. So I wanted to take a minute just for you to introduce introduce yourself, Helen, what you basically do, what the hospice is all about, and then we're going to talk a little bit about how um, charitable giving can work in a positive manner, not just for you, but for the client's and inheritance tax planning, keeping the money away from HMRC and the tax man, which isn't necessarily a bad thing a lot of the time. We pay too much tax as it is, so. <laughs> yes, yeah, so uh, my name's Helen Morontley, um, and I actually started at Birmingham St. Mary's Hospice in April. So I've been muddling through a new role throughout lockdown, which has uh-huh. been pretty crazy, but actually really, really inspiring. Um, because I've just watched all of the services adapt and transform themselves just around me as I've been settling in and having inductions and teams crashing on me and <laughs> getting muted on Zoom and all the rest of it. Um, everything's just really, you know, unraveled around me and it's been so inspiring to see. And, and I've learned an awful lot about hospice care over the time. Um, so my role is as partnerships manager. And it's kind of twofold, really. So um, it's about working with companies um, and helping them to create really inspiring partnerships with the hospice, um, which will involve kind of raising money, but also getting really stuck in with things like volunteering um, and meeting those CSR objectives. So anything that the company wants to achieve strategically, actually working alongside a charity can be a fantastic way to do that. You know, whether that's, you know, employee engagement and kind of keeping morale really high, helping, you know, uh, do bereavement training and that kind of thing, we can offer that to companies. The other strand of my role um, is working with individuals who would like to donate a kind of significant gift to the hospice that can have that transformational impact on our services and make a difference kind of right now, but for years into the future as well. Um, So helping them to understand how our services work, where the support will go, um, and to just see that impact of their donation really, um, that can kind of just make hospice care available for everybody who needs it in the future. So how how has the hospice, hospice dealt with obviously COVID being locked down obviously it's business as usual people still need help how has that been it's been pretty crazy so i've been working from home for the whole time but actually hearing everything that's going on as i've had inductions with staff has just been like mind-blowing and so we have an inpatient unit which is based in selly park in Mm -hmm. selly oak Uh, And so that normally has 15 beds, but that expanded to open more beds uh, during kind of the full uh, peak, so in sort of April, May time. Um, So we were taking a lot of uh, patients who were from the local hospitals, so relieving pressure on the NHS in that way. um, And they were kind of staying there and receiving treatment there. Uh, Actually, most of our care takes place in people's homes um, because 
like personal choice of the patient is just central to the ethos of the mm -hmm. hospice. What the patient wants, what their family wants, you know, and that can be linked to anything like their cultural beliefs and what will work with them to get them the care that they want. Um, so all of our community nurse specialists have still been visiting people out in their home, obviously wearing full PPE. Uh, and kind of how to get changed for they go in the house and out the house and, and everything like that. Um, and they've been caring just all across Birmingham and Samwell out in the community and, and they've not stopped. They've just been doing such long hours as well. Um, the other really, really great thing that we've done is uh, launched our Hobbs telephone service. Okay. So it stands for Hospices of Birmingham and Sully Hall. And we've worked in collaboration with John Taylor Hospice in Sutton Coldfield and Marie Curie in Sully Hall as well. And um, what we've done is we've created a telephone line, which is like a referral service. So anybody can phone it. So it could be patient, carer, family, GP, district nurse. And then it works as a referral service. So it means that that patient can get the care that they need when they need it. Mm -hmm. So they're not having to transfer through loads of different services and you know all the messaging gets tangled up and we're really coordinating that and actually working in collaboration with the two other hospices. Um, from what I understand, has been kind of in the pipeline for years, but actually COVID hit and the whole thing got rolled out in three weeks. Mm -hmm. Wow. Which is just incredible. Um, and obviously alongside all of that, so our, uh, our services have just, the demand has just grown and grown and grown. Imagine, and yeah. we've reached that. But actually alongside that, you know, the London Marathon's been cancelled, all of the fundraising events have been cancelled. Um, we had a really exciting events calendar, you know, party in the park in July with um, around Selly Park. Just loads of stuff, schools closing, again, schools are big fundraisers, businesses all working from home and staffing furloughs, so things like cake bakes and dress down days, like who's not wearing their pajamas at the moment kind of thing. So <laughs> I need to pay to just like, to actually wear your work clothes. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so that there's been like a real drop in funding, but actually like, like I've explained, our services have not seen a drop in the demand. They've seen a significant increase. Um, so really that's why now more than ever, we need the support of individuals across Birmingham, those business leaders and those who want to make a transformational impact mm. on hospice care in the area. Um, our mission as an organisation is hospice care for all. And actually to deliver that, um, we're working with education partners, with GPs and care homes and really empowering loads of different organisations to deliver brilliant end of life care um, and, and to those who need it and also support for their families. So again, our bereavement services, they've now um, expanded their telephone line as well. So you can now get support. Um, from one of our bereavement counsellors, if you've experienced um, kind of grief at any time and it doesn't have to be for a patient at the hospice mm -hmm. because actually with lockdown you know everybody's had an effect on their mental health and actually yeah. we're finding that people who um lost a loved one you know years ago those feelings Just kind of come back yeah absolutely yeah. again responded to that have set up this bereavement outline to that's anybody in Birmingham, wow. like not just those who are at the hospice, anybody. Um, and actually, we're only 36% funded by the NHS. That 64% comes from charitable donations. Mm -hmm. um, so you don't need to be a mathematician to know that actually, like we Quite really Quite a need... big gap, yeah, <laughs> to fill. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Um, so that's why I've been, you know, that's my role is to help businesses to and individuals to to help fill that gap, but in a way that really meets their own needs as well. It's not just a one-way thing with, you know, we need this, that, and the other. It's actually, well, what do you want to achieve from your business? And how can we help you do that? 
whilst obviously, you know, helping us at the same time. So it's definitely a two-way street. So let me ask you this then. Um, how, has, how has the fundraising efforts um, been going, bearing in mind that obviously a lot of businesses have been working remotely? How have you found that, that challenge? Again, we've been really, really quick to adapt. So we've hosted a lot of virtual fundraising challenges mm -hmm. as well. So um, uh, in July, we hosted something called Challenge 31. Um, so, you know, this is businesses or anybody could, they were challenged to do like 31 things. So you know, some people cycled 31 miles. There was one guy who did it and he cycled around our charity shops that were reopening and that was about 30 miles. Um, we've done, you know, like virtual garden parties and we've just really tried to kind of do, be really creative uh we're doing kind of like a go pink day in october as well so you know people can bake pink cakes or um or dress up pink um and again arrived 100 challenge in june so um obviously lots of people are picking up cycling at the moment yeah, yeah. that's really really yeah. popular and so challenging people to cycle 100 miles um, with the marathon being cancelled, the, the Birmingham half and also the London marathon being cancelled in October, and we're hosting an eye marathon then, so challenging people to, to run the, or walk the 26 miles throughout October. And actually the joy with virtual challenges is that people can do them at their own pace. You yeah. know, they can, it's a good way to get that competitiveness going in the office. So one of our corporate partners is Ernest & Young, and what they did through July was kind of like a step Strava challenge. So they got everybody to log all their steps on Strava. They got sent to their kind of charity coordinator uh, lady who has been kind of ranking everybody. They've been competing against each other um, and just sending in a donation, you know, alongside that as well. So we have been really fortunate with how people have, have supported and, and been really creative. And I think now as we all sort of settle into working from home, kind of the, the new normal, as everyone keeps calling it, um, like, again, we're happy to work with businesses on what they want to do when, you know, we're more than happy to bat ideas around and, <laughs> um, and everything as well. Fantastic. I think the work that you guys do is really, really important. And, you know, one of the reasons why we're hosting this podcast with Kerlo is the fact that, you know, I would imagine majority, you, know, you need to fill quite a big pot of money via donations covid has obviously had a bit of an impact on that so we wanted to be able to lend our voice and our services to try and help you guys with that mm -hmm. um so talk to me how do the current donations that you receive kind of typically lay out is that just by gifts or how, what, what does it normally look like uh, yes, so people can donate in any way. So um, they can donate kind of through a corporate partnership or through a community organisation. Uh, people set up direct debits for us every month as well. So that kind of, again, you just sometimes don't even notice. Um, again, payroll giving, you can actually donate through your payroll and that comes out before tax, kind of like your pension. So again, you can. Mm -hmm. that's a really good way for to donate every month. Uh, people can uh, give us what's called a major gift, um, which is, again, one of those really transformational gifts that can uh, have a really significant impact on the hospice. And people can also leave a gift in their will as well um, and leave a legacy with us too. Fantastic. So on the notes that you sort of, that we kind of put together for this talk, one of the points that you have on here, and I'd love you to kind of just expand on this, mm -hmm. is you said uh, we are challenging misconceptions and fears around what hospice care is through um, hospice care is, and that's via... Um, campaigning and also education. Explain a little bit more about that. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, one of the biggest kind of taboos in life is talking about death and dying. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, yeah. It, it, it's the one thing that's actually guaranteed to happen to everybody. <laughs> um, 
And I think now, again, like people are kind of realising with COVID and just the impact that that has had on families, people have got to talk about it with their loved ones. They've got to find out, you know, what their their wants are, you know, what they, they need. And again, the importance of leaving a will. So everything's all, you know, your ducks are all in a row um, mm-hmm. after you've gone. So we another area of our work, which I didn't really touch on before, but it's really incredible is our education work. So we have a brilliant education and research team at the hospice. Um, and like I said, our mission is hospice care for all. And actually, we're only going to achieve that by educating other parties. There's only so much a 15-bed building in Selly Oak can do. You've, yeah, got sure. to kind of, <laughs> you've got to kind of expand from there. Um, so our education team have been running courses virtually throughout the last few months, um, uh, training GPs, training care homes, again, working with schools, because teachers are going to find that as children come back, a lot of them will have experienced bereavement over yeah, the last few months. Yeah. So making sure they're there you know, and, and equipped and, and, and know, you know best how to work with that. Um, And one thing that we've actually really been doing um, uh, as a team, and we we hosted our pilot uh, webinar a few weeks ago, um, was a bereavement awareness session for employers. Um, So we invited companies along, kind of HR leaders, and because businesses are going to find over the next few months, a lot of employees are coming back who would have experienced the loss recently. Or again, like I was saying a few years ago, and actually they're just coming to terms with that. And we covered things like, how to talk about grief in the workplace, how to best support your team, how to support your team if one of your colleagues is diagnosed with a life-limiting illness. Because again, people sometimes don't, don't quite know what to say, yeah, you know, yeah. and actually can be really upsetting knowing that one of your colleagues that you sit by every day is going to die. And actually, yeah. how do you process that? And as an organization, how can you empower and protect your colleagues so that they can help with, deal with that emotionally? So in October or sometime in the autumn, uh, we're looking at hosting a three-part course uh, for employers and it's a bit of an expansion from the success of the pilot. Um, so we're going to be looking how to support your colleagues um, who are going through bereavement, how to support your colleagues who um, have been diagnosed with a life-limiting illness and how to support carers as well. Um, because again, that's another area that employers are going to have to really work with because you know with uh, shielding and local lockdowns, supporting your employees who are caring for somebody with you know yeah. a partner or family member with a life-limiting illness is going to be so important yeah. um so we're going to be launching that um in the autumn so keep an eye out on our social media for and our website for, for that as well um and actually all of this education work comes together to break down that taboo of talking about death and dying because you've got to talk about it at school you've got to talk about it in your workplace mm-hmm. and you've got to talk about it with your family and friends and it doesn't have to be you know a sad conversation it can actually people often feel very strongly about what they want or don't want yeah. and actually only by opening up that conversation can you find out and then that just puts your mind at rest you yeah. know if it does happen because you know that you are doing what your loved one wanted and that's all we can ask for really. i think it mostly it will be more of a liberating um, conversation because mm. you're right. People don't like talking about it. I mean, we're in financial services, and Terry, when was the last time you <laughs> you have a comfortable conversation about someone, the possibility that someone's going to pass away in their family? Yeah, it's not often, Peter. Yeah, it's not <laughs> yeah, often. You know, but yeah, I mean, Helen's touched on it. People don't talk about death, um, but when they do start to talk about death, they start to really. Yeah, they start to really think, oh, what do I want? What do I want for myself and what do I want for my loved ones? And then they realise that they can put plans in place to make these objectives a reality. Mm. Um, and, it, and it is just, let's start a conversation. It's as simple as that. 
just yeah. talk about it. And I think it's it's really important <coughs> to get over that initial hurdle of it's not a nice topic to 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 talk about. It's yeah. not a nice conversation. I'll tell you what though, Helen, you, you mentioned one thing that I think because you're in the business of it, it's apparent to you, but I think for most people, and it certainly didn't click with me until you said it, of how important it is, is the, well, twofold actually. The first one being, kids are going back to school, and if they've had a grandma or mm. aunt or uncle or someone like that who's passed away, mom and dad aren't necessarily gonna be in the best place to actually help them deal with that. Mm. And being able to have your service actually help the kids is actually very, very important because kids, you know, they can process things, but they may not be able to communicate well enough. And therefore, that's that trauma. Absolutely. Whereas they don't yeah. really deal with it. That's really, really important. And the second thing you said that I think is very important as well is in the role of an employ employee, employer, sorry, in terms of you're going to have people come back mm. to work who have been through the rigmarole of mm. furlough possibly, possibly reapplying for their jobs, possibly be in a position where actually they're at risk of being made redundant, having lost someone. Mm, yeah, absolutely. So that company being able to have a conversation to kind of make that take away a little bit of stress is really, really, really crucial. Mm, absolutely. Our vision for that employer uh, work is to create, we want Birmingham to be a city of compassionate employers. And that's something that we're kind of really looking to work alongside this. So whether we give out like a badge or something, or, you know, but actually be like, you know what, Birmingham is a compassionate city and it is filled with businesses who are compassionate and who care about their employees and actually want to support them all the way to the end of their life or the end of the life of their yeah. loved ones. And, you know, you spend a heck of a lot of time at work. So you're going to have to support your employees, as you said, and, you know... Similarly with schools, children spend a heck of a lot of time at school. Yeah. Um, and so teachers need to know, you know, how best to um, support their pupils. And actually, if you think about the long-term view of all of this work, supporting these hospice services now will actually take a heck of a lot of pressure off the NHS in the years to come. Mm. Because if, you know, we can like intercept at that time of, you know, kind of need now, it just reduces, it's, it's like a domino effect. And actually it just stops and says, no, like the hospice can help. Um, and I think sometimes people don't see that we're beyond this, you know, a building in Selly Park and that there is so much other stuff that goes on. We support over 500 individuals every day across Birmingham and Samwell. Wow. That's a heck of a lot of people. Um, and I think it's, there's a lot of work to be done around that. But I think like now more than ever, if people are thinking about supporting a charity, actually hospice services are a fantastic place to, to start. And with Birmingham St. Hosp Mary's Hospice, like your money is going to be used like just for incredible effect um, and have just that real long-term impact, you know, reducing pressure on the NHS, whether that be, you know, intensive care units over... The winter, if we do get a bit of a second spike, um, because again, the inpatient unit will be will be needed again. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, five, ten years down the line, where actually people are grieving now and we can support them now rather than, you know, the impact that that has moving forward. So when you think about the bigger picture of how our, hospices, our hospice service help, I think as I've been settling in my role the last three months, you're like, wow, like it's, it's, it's huge. Yeah, yeah. So, actually, I know that you mentioned something before we started recording that apparently one in five people actually leave a gift to the hospice 
um, in their will. Is that right? Uh, so it's one in five of our patients, patients who okay. are cared for in the hospice. Mm -hmm. And that care is kind of made possible thanks to the funding provided by gifting a will. I mean, that's at the 20% of our patients, yeah. which is incredible. Yeah. Um, so that, again, shows the impact that, you know, that, that donation can give to us. That's yeah, 20% of that 500 people we're seeing every day. Absolutely. It's, it's really yeah. by, by legacy. So this is where I wanted to bring you in, Terry, because obviously KLO... Um, is all about financial services and financial advice. And there are particular ways that if you're listening to this, you can actually give to St. Mary's Hospice, um, but you can do that in life and on death. And there are actually some very, very attractive benefits to you. And I wanted Terry to basically just talk through what that basically looks like and the actual benefit that it has for you. So in, in other words, you're given to a really good cause, but you're also doing something great for your family as well. Yeah, um, you, you're right, Peter. I think it's important just to build on what Helen was just saying, you know, the charities and the hospice that we're talking about today, St. Mary's Hospice, they need the help right away. As uh, Helen said, the, um, the, the need, the demand for their services increased over this period. So if you're thinking about giving to uh, the hospice, then it's free from inheritance tax. So this is something we talk to our clients about all the time and they come to us saying, I think we've got an inheritance tax liability. So upon death, our children may have to pay HMRC a hefty bill. Um, 40%. That, that doesn't sit right with us. Yes, and you're right, Peter, it's 40%. Uh, and we'll go into that a bit later. But if you're gifting to charities right now, um, it's free from inheritance tax. So that is... It's a great way to do it. The government, government and HMRC want you to fund uh, charities. They want you to gift to charities. That's why um, it's free from inheritance tax. It's an incentive. So if you're thinking about doing it right now, that's one incentive that you should be thinking about, that you're going to save inheritance tax on that. Um, if you're thinking about leaving a gift in a will, there is a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it. Mm -hmm. And this is what I'd like to talk about today. Um, obviously, any gift that you give uh, to a charity and to the hospice um, is great. And the hospice will be very thankful for it, I'm sure. Um, and it really does help. But I say there's a right way and a wrong way. Because in financial planning, we talk about this to our clients. There's a certain amount of money that you can leave a certain percentage of your estate that you can leave to charity which will benefit you. So we've talked about the inheritance tax rate of 40%. Um, if you leave a certain amount of your estate to charities um, in your will upon death, then your tax rate, your inheritance tax rate, falls from 40% to 36%. Mm. So again, HMRC, there's an incentive there. They're telling you, give to charity. We want you to give to charities um, and this is how you should do it they're actually telling you to do it but they don't speak about it enough and this of is where because they, they want they want the, they want the money in their own coffers <laughs> that might be that might be one reason yes of course but i suppose that's why we we do what we do that's we're, why you're we, the experts that's why we thank you expert i like to be called an expert that's great thank you peter um but yeah there's a right way and a wrong way to do it so if you're thinking about leaving a gift to a charity in your will there's a certain way to do it to reduce your tax liability rate from 40% to 36%. So if I just talk through an example, yeah, sure. I think that will you know, put things into perspective. Mm -hmm. So if we take a, cl a client, uh, an average client, maybe they're 
on their own, they're not married, so let's just talk about an individual. So they have a house worth 500,000, they have investments of 400,000, and let's just keep it simple, that's it. So mm -hmm. their estate is valued at 900,000. Mm -hmm. Okay, so those two figures together. You then start to take away your inheritance tax nail rate band. Mm -hmm. So everybody has an amount of money that is exempt from inheritance tax upon death. So that figure at the moment is 325,000. Yep. Okay. And then the government brought in something new, which was the main residence nil rate band as well. So if you're leaving your main residence to a direct descendant, so let's son or daughter, um, then 175,000 of that main residence is free from inheritance tax too. Mm -hmm. So we've got two figures there. We've got two thresholds, 325,000 and 175,000. Yep. So let's put those together. That makes 500,000. Mm -hmm. So we've said the net estate, the, sorry, the, the estate that you're looking at is 900,000. Mm -hmm. Take away those thresholds of 500,000. You're left with a net estate of 400,000 pounds that you can leave to your loved ones. But that 400,000 pounds is now subject to inheritance tax. Yes, at 40%. Yes, at a grand 40%. Believe it or not, that is the rate. Um, so, 400,000, 40%, that's 160,000 to the tax man. Now, <laughs> let me just say this, right? Because if you're listening to this and this is the first time you've heard about an inheritance tax, it is scary. It is really, really scary because the house that you that, that, that is constituted of your you know, inheritance tax, you've worked years and years and years to, to acquire. Your investments you would have spent years and years and years to acquire and to then think that you would have to pay 160,000 pounds to HMRC as a as a death tax almost is quite staggering you know 20% would have been bad enough but 40 is 40 is something else it's extreme yeah it is extreme and as you said Peter you've worked all your life you've paid your taxes you paid your taxes yeah. when you've earned your money. You've paid VAT on products. You've yeah. paid the taxes here and there. Yeah. And then all of a sudden at the end, 40%. Yeah. Okay, thank you very much. That's easy work <laughs> for HMRC. Yeah. It's a really good payout for them. So if you're, you can reduce this by gifting to charity um, and you can put this into your will. So let's take an example. If you were already thinking about gifting to charity, um, so what we've talked about, if you were to give... Nothing to charity. We said that your tax bill in this instance would be 160,000. If you were to give 5% of your net estate, so remember the net estate after we've taken off the thresholds, that's 400,000 of your estate that we're talking about. If you were to give 5% of your net estate to charity, that would be 20,000 pounds. Mm -hmm. You would reduce your inheritance tax bill from 160,000 pounds to 152,000 pounds. Okay. Okay. So Not it's a small 8,000 pounds. 8,000 pounds. Yeah. Um, okay, that's fine. But if you were to give 10%, this is where it can really work. If you give 10% of your net estate to a charity, then you don't get charged 40%, you get charged 36% mm -hmm. inheritance tax rate. So 10% in this instance would be £40,000 to a charity, yep. your inheritance tax bill would be £129,600. Let's call it £130,000. Yep. Okay. Yep. So we've just talked about reducing your inheritance tax rate. That's how it works. So if we just put that into perspective, if you don't do anything, 
you pay £160,000 of HMRC. Mm -hmm. you, the estate that you pass on to your loved ones from 900000 would be £740,000. Mm -hmm. If you were to give 5% away to charity, you'd be gifting 20000 to a charity. Mm -hmm. Your bill to, our, to HMRC would be 152000 mm -hmm. and you'd be passing on £728,000 to your loved ones. Mm -hmm. If you were to give 10%, which is where we're saying that's the golden number that's yep. the that's the percentage that you should be giving at least you'd be giving forty thousand pounds to the charity you'd be paying one hundred thirty thousand pounds to hmrc and you'd be leaving seven hundred and thirty thousand pounds to your loved ones so you can see that it's a massive saving on the inheritance tax bill the charity has benefited and actually your loved ones have only had to give up £10,000 from all of that money that they're going to receive. Mm -hmm. And the charities gained £40,000. It's really it's huge. It's, huge. it's, it's huge. huge. I mean, just looking at the, the savings, the difference in between the savings from 5% to 10% on the inheritance tax bill. I mean, you're only looking at £8,000 to start off with, but at 10%, that really, really does ring home because that's what, if you if you if created to 130000 because you round it up, right, it's £22,000 different it's massive it's absolutely huge and these things these things aren't complicated to do are they no not at all so this can be if you've got a will already your will can just have an amendment put in place to say i would like to leave 10 percent of my or more the charity would like them more <laughs> but but 10 percent is the key number there's no point leaving less than 10 percent you may as well put the 10 percent in or more so you can put it into your will and it's done it's just simply an amendment to your existing will. Or if you don't have a will, you really should have a will and do, and yes. do it from the outset. Yes. And where clients are, are resistant to leave anything in their will or to gift to charities now is because they, a lot of people don't know how much money they need to live on. Mm -hmm. um, and they don't know if the money that they have will last them until death. Yeah. So they don't want to give anything away now. So they're quite resistant. Um, and then when it comes to death, they may not have planned, they might not have put a will in place, and yeah. they may not have known about this reduction in the IHT rate. Um, and it's true. Uh, I, I vouch for it. It is true. Um, so what you can do, and this is what we do for clients, is that we answer those questions for them. Okay, how much money do you have? What are your assets? We calculate how much they need to live on. We look at things like what care home fees for themselves in the future because a lot of people are worried about that well, yeah, have I got enough money for care home fees yeah. well we can actually calculate that we do something called cash flow planning mm -hmm. and we put all of those answers into a report and we talk through with the clients this is how it would work and we show them actual numbers we take account of inflation um, and we look at all of that and then when clients see that they've got more than enough money to live on they say well actually I could, I could give to charity yeah. now couldn't I yeah. I said, well, yes, you could afford it, yeah. definitely. I could give to charity now. Oh, and I could give to charity on death and it would help my beneficiaries and help the charity. Yeah, yeah let's do that. And it's having these discussions and Helen and yourself talked about it at the beginning. We don't talk about death. We don't talk about money. Yeah, very, very true. Very, very true. And those two things are tied Yeah, a lot of the time. Um, money does help us and it helps our loved ones when we're gone. And it can help a lot more than just our loved ones. It can help charities like the hospice. Yeah, I mean, my, my go-to saying is, you know, money is a tool. 
is there to either help you create uh, wealth, uh, achieve life goals, achieve financial goals. It can also be used as a as a energy, a power for good to help other people in society, which is the work that you're trying to do, Helen, in terms of just helping people manage. And, you know, again, it, it hit home with me when you start talking about kids in schools. I never thought about it in that mm. way. I mean, that in itself is a huge piece of work. And I think sometimes as adults, we get so caught up with providing for family that we don't really understand or try to compute how much of an impact these kind of situations can have on children mm. and where do they get the help from you know mm. if if not from the adults so i think the work there is really 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 important so why don't you tell us how can people donate to the hospice right now well there's loads of different ways so um we'd love to chat with anybody who's thinking of leaving a gift in the hospice and actually if you are you know thinking of leaving a gift of like a substantial size We'll happily arrange a, you know, a virtual coffee probably these times and mm -hmm. um, with you and help you kind of understand a little bit more detail about what our services are um, and just, you know, kind of reassure you exactly, you know, where your money is going. So any questions that you might have about specific parts of our work, we can kind of give you that information as well. Because actually, if you are going to leave a, a, a significant sum to a charity, you should know where that money is going Absolutely. and, you know, yeah. you know how... Um, what difference it's going to make. Um, so, yeah, we'll work kind of one-on-one -on -one with people. Um, so, yeah, they can just get in touch with us via our website. Um, my email address is helen.rawnsley at birminghamhospice.org.uk. Um, and, yeah, I'm happy to arrange a, a, a chat. And, again, that's for businesses as well. So, again, there's, you know, corporation tax benefits from donating to mm -hmm. um, a charity. So if people would like to give kind of through their, their business and that side of things, again, we can chat about that as well. So just get in touch and we can find out what you want to achieve and, and work with, work with the, yeah. uh, the donor. And can I just say that, you know, if you are a business listening to this and you're looking at your your policy at the moment and you're looking for something to do that is going to be tangible that is going to be impactful please do consider this we will make sure that we have um all of your contact details helen in the show notes so that's where you'll find her and be able to get in contact with her but thank you so much for coming along uh, thank you for having me peter thank you pleasure thank you and terry thank you so much again you're welcome peter very happy to be here again yeah perfect and if you do want to speak to terry or the team at klo again the consultations are complimentary. It doesn't cost you anything. A little bit of time, a virtual coffee, perhaps. Um, so it's completely free. We can walk you through how this would work for you and the potential benefit to your beneficiaries as well. So feel free to contact Terry or the team at KLO. Again, there'll be details in the show notes. But until next show, take care and we'll speak to you later.